Welcome back to the Brook Club. I'm Brooke. This week's book is Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. This is the first and only Celeste Ng book I've read and I was not let down. She writes absolutely beautifully. And today, rather than providing just a summation of the book and then answering a few questions at the end, I want to dive into this book by answering discussion questions right off the bat. I think by answering questions, I can analyze Deem's character's plot, all that, in a more interesting and insightful way. I also think that if you're listening to this, you probably read the book, so me giving a play-by-play is not necessary. That being said, I'm still going to provide a short synopsis, as I typically do. Here is my little summary. Set in 1970s Ohio, Everything I Never Told You follows a grieving family after the tragic drowning of favorite daughter and beloved sister, Lydia Lee. We are intimately familiarized with each family member as we learn about their past, their pain, their secrets, and their dreams. The devastation of Lydia's death threatens to destroy the fragile world of secrets the Lees cling to. Everything I Never Told You delves into the themes of racism, grief, family dynamics, and death while beautifully portraying a heartbroken family. While this book is character-driven, you will be wondering what happened to Lydia until the very end. Was it homicide? Was it suicide? Your questions will be answered, but along the way, you will fall in love with each member of the Lee family as you see into the depths of their emotional lives. Okay, that was my little blurb. Let's get answering questions. I'm getting these questions from the back of my copy of the book. Question one says, discuss the relationships between Nath, Lydia, and Hannah. How do the siblings both understand and mystify one another? The siblings in this book have an interesting dynamic. I would call it a push and cling just uh, juxtaposition. Beyond the fact that they are siblings, blood relatives, I think the siblings cling to one another because they, their siblings are the only people who really understand what it's like to be biracial in their town. Also, they're the only people who understand the dynamics in their family and the fragility of those dynamics. Yet, we see some dishonesty about their private lives. They seem to keep each other at arm's length in an emotional way. I'm going to read a a passage from the book that clearly illustrates this juxtaposition between the siblings that I was referring to. This is right after Nath pushes Lydia into the lake knowing she can't swim. Then he immediately jumps into the lake and rescues her. That in and of itself is quite metaphorical for this just juxtaposition, but I'm going to read their reactions to this event right after um, uh, Nath saves Lydia from the lake. It was too big to talk about what had happened. It was like a landscape they could not see all at once. It was like the sky at night, which turned and turned so they couldn't find its edges. It would always feel too big. He pushed her in, and then he pulled her out. All her life, Lydia would would remember one thing. All his life, Nath would remember another. So from that, we see that Lydia readily forgives her brother. She absolutely adores Nath. And we see that Nath feels guilty for pushing her into the lake. We see this dynamic again when Nath cannot get out of the house and leave for college fast enough. And Lydia's worst fear is Nath abandoning her, which is how she feels when he goes to visit Harvard. She so badly doesn't want him to leave that she hides his 
Harvard acceptance letters. This passage also illustrates a theme that comes up a lot in this book, which is the family refusing to talk about hard things. One example of this is Lydia and Nath never talking about him pushing her into the lake. Question number two. Why do you think Lydia is the favorite child of James and Marilyn? How does this pressure affect Lydia and what kind of impact do you think it has on Nathan Hannah? Do you think it's more difficult for Lydia to be the favorite or for Hannah and Nate who are often overlooked by their parents? I think Lydia became the favorite child the moment that Marilyn gave up on her dreams of becoming a doctor and placed those dreams um, on her daughter, on Lydia. Um, Right before uh, Marilyn came back from school, Lydia made a promise to the universe, basically, that if her mom comes back, she will do anything to make her mom happy. So simultaneously, we have a mother who has placed her dreams on the shoulders of her daughter, and we have a daughter who will say yes to anything her mother asks. She, you know, Marilyn says, do you want to study science, want to read this book, want to be a doctor? And Lydia says yes to all of it. Um, just to keep her mom happy. As one can imagine, this turns Lydia into a shell of herself as well as a liar. We also see that Lydia experiences depression and anxiety, probably due to trying so hard to make someone else happy. Um, When Marilyn gets back after quitting school, another significant event occurs. Lydia tells her mom that she lost her cookbook. The cookbook is an item that symbolizes everything Marilyn doesn't want for herself. I think it's also interesting to note that Marilyn's pregnancy with Lydia was her only pregnancy that didn't interrupt her schooling. And her schooling, we know, it was so, so important to her. So when she was in college, she got pregnant with Nath. She married James. She had Nathan. She had Lydia. And then she quit school for the final time because she found out that she was pregnant with Hannah. So I don't think that this is the one and only reason why Lydia is the favorite child, but I think it is interesting to note. As the question implies, Nathan and Hannah are neglected. Nathan's dreams are ignored. James is actually angry when Nathan brings up outer space because his love of astronomy initially began during the time when Marilyn walked out on them. So because of this, Nathan is kind of bullied and mistreated by his dad. I think it's hard for the children to express themselves in their family and we see the reverberations of that. I'm gonna read a paragraph now that summarizes Hannah's place in her family. They set up her nursery in the bedroom in the attic where things that were not wanted were kept. And even when she got older, now and then, each of them would forget fleetingly that she existed. As when Marilyn laying four plates for dinner one night did not realize her omission until Hannah reached the table. Hannah, as if she understood her place in the cosmos, grew from quiet infant to watchful child. A child fond of nooks and corners who curled up in closets, behind sofas, under dangling tablecloths, staying out of sight as well as out of mind poor little hannah um i wondered while reading this if hannah's neglect had turned into resentment towards lydia because it's common knowledge it was common knowledge i should say that lydia 
uh, was the favorite child. So I became a little suspicious of Hannah. She saw Lydia leave the house and walk towards the lake. She's constantly being shooed. She's so used to her parents wanting her wanting her out of the way. She literally sits under the kitchen table. I'm unsure if it was Celeste Ng's intention to make the reader a little suspicious of Hannah. I'm glad Hannah had nothing to do with Lydia's death. Um, but I'm wondering, was anyone else suspicious of Hannah at all, even for a moment? I was. <laughs> okay, question three starts with a quote. So part of him wanted to tell Nath that he knew what it was like to be teased, what it was like to never fit in. The other part of him wanted to shake his son, to slap him, to shape him into something different. When Marilyn asked what happened, James said merely with a wave of the hand, some kids teased him at the pool yesterday. He needs to learn to take a joke. How did you react to the Marco Polo scene with James and Nath? What do you think of James's decision? So it's clear that James does not want his son to experience what he did. He doesn't want his son to feel like he doesn't fit in. James experienced racism growing up and he does not want that for his son. I like how this book gives a nuanced view of not only how Marilyn and James parent, but why. How their upbringings impact their parenting styles. James, as I said, does not want his son to experience what he did. And his son reminds him of himself, and that really worries him. So I do understand where James is coming from, and I do have empathy for James for that reason. But his reaction to his son could also be a little bit of sexism. He doesn't talk to his daughters that way, and it was very common in the 1970s and maybe still today for parents to want their boys to toughen up. Um, nonetheless, James does feel shame around the way that he talks to Nathan, and I'm going to read his feelings around... Um, the comments that he's made to his son. It says, All month he has been saying things like that, things that sounded like jokes but weren't. Every time, as he heard his own voice, James bit the tip of his tongue too late. He did not understand why he said these things to Nath, for that would have meant understanding something far more painful, that Nath reminded him more and more of himself, of everything he wanted to forget from his own boyhood. He knew only that it was becoming a reflex, one that left him smarting and ashamed. It's interesting to compare Marilyn and James's priorities for their kids because they both have high expectations, particularly for Lydia, and they both want different for their children than they had growing up, but different for each parent means something, well, different, right? Marilyn wants Lydia to become a doctor, and James's priority is for her to be well-liked. As we said, because of his own boyhood and his experience with feeling like he didn't fit in. But perhaps James has another motive for encouraging um, his kids to be popular. Perhaps it's to balance out Marilyn's demands. Marilyn drills into Lydia the importance of education, and James says, yes, and your social life matters too. Back on the subject of race, the one place James says he can stop thinking about Lydia's death is Louisa's bed. There's a conversation that James has with Louisa. He tells Louisa that he should have married someone like her. And I thought this, Louisa's reaction to this was interesting because initially I was questioning why Louisa was so willing and eager to sleep with a married man. And 
after James tells her that he should have married someone like her, she's so happy. And I was like, oh, duh. She's um, probably in love with James. She probably thinks he's a wonderful guy and he would she would love him to leave his wife for her. But what James really meant when he said that to her is that he should have married someone like himself. He should have married someone Chinese. Not that he necessarily should have married Louisa. Not only does James experience racism, but as biracial children, Lydia, Hannah, and Nath experience it as well. I'm going to read a quote from Lydia's point of view um, on her own encounters with racism. It says, you saw when the waitress and the policeman and bus drivers spoke slowly to you in simple words as if you might not understand. You saw it in photos. You're the only black head of hair in the scene as if you'd been cut out and pasted in. You thought, wait, what's she doing here? And then you remember that she was you. You kept your head down and thought about school or space or the future and tried to forget about it. And you did until it happened again. Discrimination was frequent in 1970s Ohio, and beside an article on Lydia's death is a sidebar article that reads, Children of mixed backgrounds often struggle to find their place. At the time James is reading this, the police have concluded that Lydia's death was suicide, and James believes Lydia committed suicide as a result of not feeling like she fit in. Because he believes this, James says during a conversation with Marilyn, this wouldn't have happened if she were white. She would have fit in. He also says that Marilyn's mom was right. Um, it seems like James feels resentment towards himself at this point, which is super sad. Um, okay, next question, question four. What is the meaning of the novel's title? To whom did the I and you refer to? Um, everything I never told you, the I and the you could refer to many different people in this book. Um, everything Lydia never told her parents and everything they never told her, everything Marilyn never told her husband and vice versa. The theme of not expressing emotions or sharing challenges is very prevalent. So I think this title is quite uh, relevant to this book. There's an interesting dichotomy um, of the parents trying not to be like the past and, and kind of teaching their children these progressive, uh, values. They want their kids to fit in despite racism. Uh, Marilyn does not want her daughters to be housewives. She wants Marilyn to become a doctor in a world where girls in high school are required to take home economics. And in a world where when someone says doctor, people think man. And, the dichotomy comes in when the parents facilitate what I think of as an old-fashioned way of not talking about hard things. For instance, when they got married, Marilyn and James agreed not to talk about past, period. It's not shocking that these communication challenges often lead to misunderstandings. For instance, James interprets Marilyn leaving to Toledo to go back to school as her finally coming around to what her mother had said at their wedding. So this is in reference to her, uh, Marilyn's mom saying that their marriage is not right and that Marilyn should be with someone more like her, with someone white. In reality, Marilyn wants to go to med school because it is her dream and she does not want to end up like her mother. Um, a second instance of this type of misunderstanding due to a uh, lack of communication or miscommunication is Lydia's conversation with Nathan while he is at Harvard visiting. Um, the way Nathan was talking during this conversation, I think, was affected by alcohol and he is 
maybe a little snappier, a little ruder than Lydia is used to. And Lydia interprets the way he's talking and what he's saying as him um, already changing and him not being there for her. And I want to read her reaction at after this conversation ends. It says, At home, alone on the landing, Lydia cradled the headset in her hands for a long time after the click. The tears that had choked off her voice dried away. A slow, burning anger at Nath began to smolder inside her, his parting words ringing in her ears. I don't have time for this. He had turned into a different person, a person who didn't care that she needed him. Um, So as readers, I think we understand that Nath going to university is not him abandoning his sister, but this is the way that Lydia feels. She does feel abandoned. Um, So last example um, in response to, um, sorry, in response to what uh, the title could be referring to, another um conversation that probably should have had was Lydia telling Nathan about her relationship with Jack um which is that they're great friends and they talk and they smoke in Jack's car and that their relationship is not romantic um I think Lydia's relationship was with Jack was probably a relief and the conversations with him um were really important to her because she doesn't have anyone else to talk to openly and honestly um, because Nath has these assumptions about Jack and Lydia's relationship. He thinks Jack is using Lydia. He hated Jack so much that he thought he had something to do with Lydia's death. If we go even further back in time, what would have happened if Nathan and Jack had a conversation when they were just kids um, after what happened at the pool. You know, they could have become friends or at least um, not enemies. So we see the consequences of not talking, not expressing emotions and challenges. challenges. Um, and not, not only does this happen in the fictional world, but it's also common in the real world, either accidentally, you know, forgetting that people can't read your mind or feel what you're feeling necessarily. Or sometimes we don't say things because some conversations are uncomfortable. In the end, in reference to the title, everything I never told you, you know, everyone has things they didn't say. And I'm sure Lydia's parents and siblings have a lot of regret around what they didn't say to Lydia now that she's gone. But most tragically, Lydia can't tell her parents that she wants to find her own path. This another conversation um, that will never happen because it can't ever happen is that Lydia's family will never know that her death was an accident which is so tragic. Okay, question five. What would have happened if Lydia had reached the dock? Do you think she would have been able to change her parents' views and expectations of her? So obviously you can't control people's reactions, but you can voice what you want. And I think that this was Lydia's intention. She sounded brave on the dock. She says she wants to be unafraid. Um, So I think she would have stood up for herself. I think that... Um, that she would have talked to her parents had she made it to the dock. I'm going to read what her thoughts were right before she died. 
It was not too late. There on the dock, Lydia made a new set of promises, this time to herself. She will begin again. She will tell her mother enough. She will take down the posters and put away the books. If she fails physics, if she never becomes a doctor, it will be all right. She will tell her mother that, and she will tell her mother, too, it's not too late for anything. She will give her father back his necklace and his book. She will stop holding the silent phone to her ear. She will stop pretending to be someone she's not. From now on, she will do what she wants, feet planted firmly on nothing. Lydia, so long enthralled by the dreams of others, could not yet imagine what that might be, but suddenly the universe glittered with possibilities. She will change everything. She will tell Jack she's sorry that she'll never tell his secret. If he can be brave, so sure of who he is and what he wants, perhaps she can too. She'll tell him that she understands. And Nath, she will tell him that it's all right for him to leave, that she will be fine that he's not responsible for her anymore, that he doesn't need to worry. And then she will let him go. <sighs> I love that part. So from reading this, it seems like she was inspired by Jack, um, or at least inspired by her conversation with Jack. If you remember right before this happens, she has a conversation where Jack comes out to her. And she says um, she's inspired by how sure he is of, how sure he is of who he is. <laughs> and of what he wants her being inspired by jack seems bittersweet because she has this newfound hope which is in what i just read but ultimately perhaps her conversation conversation with jack gave her the courage or the desire to do something as reckless as getting into the lake not that i believe jack is to blame for her death but i think it's sad to think about it from that perspective i mean why did lydia decide to get in the lake what would have happened what would have had to have happened prior to her going to the lake to prevent her death that's the question i would most like to hear other people's opinions on what Although her death was an accident, do we blame anyone or anything for her deciding to get in the lake? Um, back to the question, if her parents would have supported her, is that for debate? But does it really matter? Lydia sounded like she had the gumption to go make changes for herself. Um, shortly before this, um, what I just read. Um, she had failed her driver's test, and her dad is very surprised by this, but he says, okay, well, you can try again next weekend. But she can't even think about the possibility of trying again. All she can think is, I will never get my license. I will never be able to drive. I will never be able to leave. Um, I'll never be able to, you know, get away from my family, get away from this town, have freedom. Um, so I believe she was depressed um, after this Um she fails her driver's test maybe before that too because the way she's thinking is what the way a depressed brain would think it sounds like so it was the that this was the first time i thought that maybe she might have committed suicide so i think she was depressed as i said but on the dock it sounded like she was coming out of it she um sounded hopeful right before she died again tragic timing Okay, question number six. This novel says a great deal about the influence our parents can have on us. Do you think the same issues will affect the next generation of Lees? So I think it's common in the real world for people to look at their own childhood and decide what to take and what to throw out. And this is what James and Marilyn did. They wanted different for their kids than they had. Um, I'm going to read a passage about what different means to each of them. Um, the parents 
um, because different means, as I said, different to both of them. It has tinted his entire life, this word. It has left its smudgy fingerprints on everything, but different had been different for Marilyn. Marilyn, young and unafraid in a classroom of men, draining the urine from her flasks, plugging her ears by filling her head with dreams. A white blouse in a sea of navy blue blazers. How she had longed for different, in her life, in herself. It is as if someone had lifted his world and turned it upside down and set it down again. Um, Marilyn packing those dreams away in lavender for their daughter, disappointment layered beneath her smile. So as we see, James felt different all his life, and he resented feeling different. On the other hand, Marilyn wanted to be different. She she did not want to be the housewife she was told she should be by society and by her mother. So their own childhoods significantly informed the way they parent. I think their intentions were to want better for their children, but perhaps they went about it in a selfish way. They pressured their kids to get what they couldn't have instead of what their kids wanted. The Lee parents facilitated an environment of lying and secret keeping because they showed their children love based on achievement. That doesn't seem like unconditional love um, when love or appreciation is only shown when children do what makes you happy as a parent. I think this encouraged their kids to lie because they were saying the things they thought their parents wanted to hear. Like I said, I do think Marilyn and James had good intentions, but I think they went about it in the in a harmful way. Um, I think Nath and Hannah will follow suit um, and parent in a new way and, and learn from their parents and um, both what they, you know, the good that they want to take and the bad that they want to throw away. Okay, the next question is super interesting. It says, the footprint on the ceiling brings Nathan and Hannah, sorry, Nathan and Lydia closer when they are young, and later Hannah and James discover it together and laugh. What other objects bring the characters closer together or drive them further apart? Um, the first thing that came to mind when I read this question was actually the Chinese buns that Louisa had made James. Um, while he's eating these buns, he speaks Chinese for the first time since he was a little kid. He feels connected to his culture for the first time. Um, and even more importantly, these buns remind him of his childhood and his mother in a positive light. Because we know he likes to forget about his past. And this, for the first time, brings back happy memories from his boyhood. Another object, object that pushes people away and pulls them together at the same time is Marilyn's mom's cookbook. So the quotes inside the cookbook cookbook seem pathetic and symbolic of a small life to Marilyn. Lydia tells her mom that she lost it, as we know, and we, we find out that she actually hid it. This made Marilyn feel close to Lydia and felt understood by her and therefore felt like she could rely on her to carry out her dreams. So I believe this cookbook um, made Marilyn feel emotionally distant from her mom and emotionally close to Lydia. Another object or objects are the objects that Marilyn takes when she goes back to school to remember her family. She touches these items to feel close to her family. When she returns home, she abandons these items. I think this is symbolic because she knows she won't be leaving again. She doesn't need talismans to remember her children and husband when she's with them in person. 
Hannah develops a stealing habit. Perhaps she learns this from her mom. Hannah steals to feel close to her family like her mom does. Stealing is also attention-seeking behavior for Hannah. She wants to get in trouble so that she can get attention from her family members, even if it's negative attention. I'm going to read the last conversation Lydia had with Hannah um, right before she dies. So this is when Hannah... um, Hannah stole Lydia's necklace that her dad gave her and and Lydia snatches it right off her neck and this is what she says don't ever smile if you don't want to she said and Hannah half blinded by the spotlight of Lydia's whole attention nodded remember that Hannah kept her word later that night and for years to come she would look back on this moment each time touching her throat where the red mark of the chain had long since faded away Lydia had looked more anxious than angry the necklace dangling from her fingers like a dead snake she had sounded almost sad as if she had done something wrong not hannah the necklace was in fact the last thing hannah would ever steal but this moment this last talk with her sister would puzzle her for a long time so lydia realizes she herself is living to make others happy and she does not want this for her little sister so she's finally being honest and having a potentially uncomfortable uncomfortable conversation with hannah which is not typical in a family as we know So her dad had bought her the book How to Win Friends and Influence People because he wants her to make friends and to be influential and popular. And in this book, she reads that even if you don't feel like smiling, smile anyway. People are drawn to people with a smile on their face. And she tells Hannah the opposite of that. She says, don't smile if you don't want to. So my last example of objects in this book are the gifts that Lydia receives from her parents. Um, These gifts are symbols of what her parents want her to be. So from her mom, she gets science books and books about women in science or, you know, books about being a doctor. And her dad gets her, as I said, how to win friends and influence people. Um, He gets her a necklace. He gets her dress that he says everyone's wearing this dress. So he wants her to fit in. He wants her to be popular. And to Lydia, these are not genuine gifts. These are actually forms of manipulation. And it makes uh, Lydia pull away from her parents. Okay, I'm going to answer one very last question. It says, there is so much that the characters keep to themselves. What do you wish they had shared with one another? Do you think an ability to better express themselves would have changed the outcome of the book? It's interesting to think, what if? This is always how it is in books and in real life. One conversation has the potential to change a lot. The main conversation that should have happened are the converse- is the conversation that Lydia intends on having once she gets home from the lake, and tragically, that conversation never happens. Um, what would have changed if she told her mom she doesn't want to be a doctor? Or she tells her dad she's having a hard time making friends? Or she tells Nath about her friendship with Jack. We could go on and on. And Lydia has this epiphany right before she dies. She realizes all the things she wants to say. Back to the question, though. All that being said, Lydia's drowning was an accident. Could one of those conversations really have changed the outcome? Um, You know, I guess for me it goes back to why did she get in the water? It's a very sad ending, but it's a book about a tragic accident and the preceding grief of family members. I mean, what do you expect? There are lessons to be learned. Um, 
the importance of honest conversations, communicating with loved ones. I think that's one moral of the story. I think the family members in the book maybe learn this lesson because in the end, we see them coming together. James and Marilyn come together. James stops cheating. Hannah finally gets attention and love from her dad. Nathan bonds with Hannah. Um, The family coming together is especially important because initially the death of Lydia seemed to drive the family apart. I think an important question is if this family dynamic of dishonesty and living to please others will change. I think it has to. I think the members of the Lee family don't want important and even trivial words to go unsaid after realizing that those things will never be able to be said to Lydia how could such a major event you know the the death of a family member not impact family dynamics so this is a book of substance I really could go on and on but I'm gonna stop there I love this book what did you think email me at brookclubpod at gmail.com or email sorry dm <laughs> brookclubpod on instagram so the email and the instagram are the same brookclubpod follow me on instagram if you're interested i recently finished reading three books the first one fault lines by emily itami it's what i would describe as a surprising story of infidelity set in tokyo japan i did enjoy it if you're looking for something fast-paced and twisty turny. This is not the book. This was a bit of a slow burn romance. Um, I also finished reading Lisa Jewell's Then She Was Gone. I've loved every Lisa Jewell book I've read, and this one is no different. Then She Was Gone is about a teenage girl who disappears without a trace, and then 10 years later, um, new evidence has been uncovered, and we see the missing girl's mom trying to uncover... um, what happened to her daughter. Um, The last book I just finished was The Silent Patient. It's probably my new favorite thriller. I know it's a very popular book. I was late to this one. But let me know if you would be interested in hearing my thoughts on The Silent Patient. As always, rate and review if you feel so inclined. I would very, very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.